From the K-Rob Collection, this is Audio Antiques, featuring programs from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson. Get ready for Destination Freedom, a Chicago-based series from radio's classic era. This episode is entitled Ghost Editor. It's the story of Oklahoma newspaper publisher Roscoe Dungy. He founded the Black Dispatch in 1915. It was the first African-American newspaper in Oklahoma City. Dungy used it as a platform to support civil rights and to reveal injustices. We'll hear about the work of Roscoe Dungy after this time out. This show is brought to you by Linux, the free operating system. Linux revives old computers and makes new ones as fast as lightning. Mint Mobile, where you get talk, data, and text for just $15 a month. Also brought to you by Nationwide Bank. Nationwide is on your side with free checking and savings accounts. And by ThinViz Elite, providing visual insight for stock market investors. For details about this show and these fine sponsors, go to krobcollection.com. Destination Freedom. Destination Freedom. Dramatizations of the great democratic traditions of the Negro people is brought to you by station WMAQ as a part of the pageant of history and of America's own Destination Freedom. Among the founders of American newspapers, there have been men and women whose staunch defense of the principles of a free press have opened the way for greater democracy among the people they have served. One such newspaper founder is Oklahoma's Roscoe Dungy, publisher and editor of The Black Dispatch. In a chapter entitled Ghost Editor, Destination Freedom Tells the Dungy Story. My name's Dungy, Roscoe Dungy. I was born at Harper's Ferry, where John Brown's mighty ideal exploded and shook the world. I traveled with my father, an ex-slave and a Baptist missionary, up and down the Sawdust Trail. And I got to know a lot about this land we live in. I hung around the offices of so many small-town newspapers that editors called me in to do some of their writing for them. And by 1915, when I settled in Oklahoma, I'd become a wandering ghostwriter, working the weekdays for the white newspapers. Want you to write an editorial here, Dungy. Come in to the governor. Oh, say... For what? Come in to him for his brilliant defense of the common people of Oklahoma. And for his brave stand in favor of justice without discrimination as to race, creed, or... or... color, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. You sure know the policy of this newspaper, don't you? You know, if you were white, I'd have you right here on my editorial staff, because you think you're right so much like me. Well, I seldom even think of you as a Negro anymore. 
No? No, sir. Well, to tell the truth, I long ago stopped thinking of you as a white man. Eh, Denji, that'll be all for tonight. And over the weekends, I worked for the Negro paper. Denji, write us an editorial about the governor. Uh, What about him? What about? Don't ask dumb questions. The governor is the greatest carrier of the disease of discrimination in the state. You know the policy of the Gazette? Expose him. Gladly. Gladly. I was a ghostwriter who walked the editorial rooms of the Oklahoma papers, printing an opinion here and changing it there. I got to know the politicians and the people. I learned who owned the monopolies and wrote the Jim Crow laws. And somehow in this daily shuffling between one opinion and another, I saw that often the people's opinions were seldom seen in the editorial columns. The fight uh, Negro migrants are waging against the crippling segregation laws seldom saw front page or back page, for that matter. And one evening, editor Chisholm of the Gazette had an idea for an editorial, and he called for his ghost. Dungey! Yes! Dungey! Yes, Mr. Chisholm. Where you been all week? I know. Don't answer. Working for the Chronicle. Man, what kind of man? When will you settle down and get an opinion and keep it? When will I get a paper that'll print an honest opinion? You got one now. Here? How's that? My reporters tell me there's a move in the state legislature to introduce a bill with grandfather's clause attached to the voting rights of everyone in the state. Uh, grandfather's yes, clause? Yes, yes, yes. The clause that says no man may vote in the state unless his grandfather had the right to vote, too. Oh, Naturally, yeah. since most Negroes weren't allowed to vote three generations back, the bill disenfranchises this generation as well, you see? Yeah, I see. I We've see. seen it coming for a long time, Dungeon. I want you to blast the men behind it. Happens to be some landowners down around Choctaw County. The Chronicle's behind them, too. Yeah, I know. Get the facts. Get names and dates and tell why those guys want one-third of the state's population kept away from the poor. You see? Yeah, I, I see. Well, what are you waiting for? There's one thing, Chief. Yeah? Your paper, the Gazette. It's a small paper. Yeah? You see, I know my business. Yeah. Look, your gazette gazette doesn't have enough power to fight the racketeers. They'll send after you if you attack this bill. Now, see here. Now, look here, Chief. I've worked on both sides of the fence. Yes. yes. I see what the opposition's got behind them. They can't stand editorials like that coming out week after week. I know it. They'll wreck your paper to stop you, and you know it. I can get another plan. You can't get another, and you know that. Look, Chief. I'll write the editorial. Uh-huh. But this time, let me sign my own name to it. Dungey, look. I hired you as a ghost. Stay a ghost. Yeah. I'd never be able to hold up my head if it was known you wrote my editorials. Well, it's only for this one. Only while they're trying to jam this bill through the state legislature. Mr. Dungey! Yeah, Chief. Mr. Dungey, you write as you've always written. Your words, my opinion, and under my name. And Mr. Dungey... Don't forget the deadline. So I met the deadline. I gathered the facts behind the grandfather's clause that would take the ballots out of the hands of the growing Negro population. 
that was pouring into Oklahoma from Arkansas, Texas, and Mississippi and would put more power into the hands of a few who kept the races divided and kept the lion's share of the political power. And when the tug of war was over, my side had won. The grandfather's clause bill was defeated. The Chronicle editor surveyed the damage and called me into his private office. That uh, Gazette editor apparently had a better ghostwriter than I had. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, too bad for him. My paper lost a campaign. He's lost an editor. Oh, what are you talking about? Where did you see the noon editions? You'll have something else to write an editorial about. Huh? Only Negro editor in Oklahoma shot by the Ku Klux Klan. All that was left of Chisholm and his gazette was a story for somebody to write. By nightfall, I knew the story wouldn't be written by me. Denji? The editor recalled me. My staff's been comparing the editorials written in the Gazette and those you wrote first. Is that so? Surely is. I suppose you can take it as a compliment that uh, they report that there's only one writer in Oklahoma who handles words the way you do. Uh, thanks. Except, uh, except those editorials in the Gazette. There was an odd similarity. Oh, is that so? So, some of the boys who were behind the late lamented bill in the state legislature have, uh, have asked me to write my own editorials hereafter. I, I always thought you could handle the job, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they say the first assignment they intend to give me is an obituary. Oh? Yours. I'd rather report you're missing, though. Now, listen. For what it's worth, my advice is for you to get out of Oklahoma. There's no newspaper here that'll hire a Negro whose opinion is against the status quo. There's no town where you can get a Negro newspaper started yet. Nowadays, there are more towns in Oklahoma where Negroes can't stay overnight than any other border state in the Union. Some boys from the Klan will be watching to see which road you take out of the state, so uh, go north, Dungey. Spare me the pains of writing that obituary. By morning, I was a ghost without a body. I walked the streets of Tulsa, Muskogee, and Chickasaw, haunting the editors whose opinions I had once put into words. But now that I had my own opinions, their doors were closed to me. I went up to Oklahoma City. I saw a little job printing shop on a side street. In the window, a sign said for sale. In the shop, the owner asked me for references. Well, what have you got to show you can pay for the shop? Who are you? Where did you work before? What do you want it for? There's no Negro newspaper in Oklahoma. No, not since the one in Tulsa was blown up. Yeah, I was thinking of starting one here. If I could get the print shop like this one on credit. For how long on credit? Uh, until I get the paper established. How long will that take? Well, I don't know. It uh, depends on the breaks I get. Breaks? That's right. What about the down payment? I don't like your looks. 
You've got a haunted look. I noticed the way you walked by the shop. No, you're not the kind of man I can trust with credit until you can get established. I listened to her going over the reasons why she shouldn't let me have the shop. They were all good reasons. I had looked haunted and furtive because I was haunted. And as she shook her head over the bad bargain I would be, the hunters who stalked a discredited ghostwriter into Oklahoma City instead of out of the state came into the shop. No, mister. You'd be a poor risk. Soon as the going got tough, you'd run out. And where'd that leave me and the credit I gave you? Where would I... What's the matter? Nothing you got to be bothered about, woman. Sit back down now. This is customer yawn we got business with. All right. March out, ghost, and meet your maker. I felt a gun nudge my ribs. I walked slowly towards the door while the shop owner sat barely breathing. In the long walk to the door, I had time to wonder why I had tarried in Oklahoma, knowing this might happen. All right, ghost. Turn right. Right, he said. Walk natural, like. He said natural. Keep moving. But there was something unnatural about a man about to be killed because he had taken sides with a constitutional guarantee for a free press and the equality of all citizens. Keep your head straight. Look dead ahead. I was turned up a dreary alley where the wide door of a garage had yawned open. Keep moving, boy. Keep moving. Just natural like. Natural now. I noticed off down the street a group of white workers from the oil field were coming toward us. Ah, yelling won't do you no good, boy. Move on. You ain't got a chance. Not a chance. Uh, But I did have a chance. A chance to live free from fear and the oppression of Jim Crow that surrounded me. I felt I had a chance to build my own newspaper and forge a fighting weapon that would make a dent in the civil history of Oklahoma. And somehow shame came over me that I was about to surrender my chance to thugs and lynchers. And before we reached the garage, I the thug closest to me, twisted it until it snapped. And then somewhere it seemed far away, a gun went off and my head buzzed. I held tight to a fist that clutched the gun and I brought up my knee. They had enough. One broke away and fled down the alley while the oil workers ran up to me and took the gun from the other and subdued him. And one big redhead threw his arms over my shoulder. All right, don't worry. Don't worry, they won't come back. Now, Seth, when you fight like that, them fellas turn tail and run. If you need any help any time, let us know. The clan's against some of us, too. Uh, let me know if you need help. I knew then why I had stayed in the South, not gone north. I knew that somehow there were friends, Negro and white, who would come together as equal, independent human beings. There was a chance for a broad, sunny, healthy home life free from the fear of mobs and monopolies and politicians who built their ideals on race prejudice. Yeah, that was the credit I was banking on to buy the print shop and begin my newspaper. Yes, your credit's all right now, Mr. Dungey. The shop's yours. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Well, what's your paper going to be like, Mr. Dungey? Well, it 
to start with, it'll be just a small sheet about Oklahoma City. I'll name it the Black Dispatch. It'll be a paper to tie together the Negro migrants and the citizens from other states who are coming here to live. At first, I'll just fill it with some community news about Oklahoma City. And then when I get the lay of the land, I'll strike wherever a blow is needed. I ambled around Oklahoma City and got to know the problems of the white and Negro people who came to live in the city. I put the black dispatch into every campaign that came along, took sides in every controversy, spoke out when the daily press was bought out, or sat back silent as a graves. And as the years rolled by, people who never noticed that a Negro newspaper was published in the city began to notice its editorials, to feel its force. Soon I became known around the city circles and throughout the state as a radical bent on disturbing the status quo. And it was this Jim Crow status I was after disturbing. One hot election year, the sheriff of Cleveland County came in to inspect the Black Dispatch. Dungey, I could arrest you for disturbing the peace by writing these editorials again the city administration. You know that? You don't answer. My newspaper's my answer, Sheriff. Well, this two-by-four sheet you call a newspaper's causing a lot of trouble in the city. According to you, you're not stopping till Oklahoma stopped the segregation of races in transportation and education. You're reading it right, Sheriff. Then you'll be at your troublemaking for the rest of your life. <laughs> Oklahoma's not changing because of any Negro newspaper. Put that in your type and print it. I ignored the Sheriff's warnings. I'd been threatened a hundred times. But my paper was beginning to open doors that were closed to the daily press. Nothing could stop me. But one day a federal agent came to the dispatch with another kind of proposition. Mr. Dungey, you've heard of the lynching of a Negro farmer, Joe Hughes, in Sherman, Texas, haven't you? It's all in the papers. Well, all except yours. The dispatch uh, hasn't touched the story. No, no, that's right. When a man is lynched, my paper doesn't accept the surface reasons they give for the crime. The usual charge doesn't uh, convince the dispatch readers. Well, it doesn't convince my office either. But to get at the real story is another matter. My office can't do it without help. The lynching took place in a town where a federal man would be spotted before he could ask a question. However, with a reporter, it might be different. Go on. Well, Mr. Dungey... You are that reporter. You resemble Hughes closely. Why don't you pass for his brother? Get the story for the government. That night I drove down to the Texas town where the lynching had taken place. I knew if my little paper could uncover the real motive behind the crime and point a finger at the criminal, it would prove the power of the small town press. I knew Sherman, Texas was a town with its Negro population wired off as in a concentration camp. 
I rode up to the outskirts of Sherman. There were troops stationed on the road. Hey, you! Stop that car! They came close to look me over. One flashed a light in my face. Uh, Negro. Ain't you guys got enough this town? Haven't you heard what happened? I heard. Then you should have heard no one's loud inside until danger of a riot's blowing over. Who you come to see anyhow? Joe Hughes. When I said that, the flashlight clicked off. Joe Hughes was a man who'd been lynched. They thought it over a while and seemed to decide it would be a good joke to let me go through to search for a dead man. <laughs> um, all right, Mr. Visitor. Go on in. Uh, lift up the roadblock there, Corporal. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Don't mention it. Say hello to your friend Hughes for me when you see him. <laughs> yes, I, I will. And uh, say, before you go on. Yes? You'll have to keep driving till you find your friend. Folks in town there don't allow anyone from the outside stopping overnight. Just drive around, ask a few questions, and come out. You understand? I understand. <laughs> I understood that I was taking my life in my hands and that the still angry and aroused mobs that marched through the streets of Sherman celebrating their victory of white supremacy would find me easy picking. And to make sure I was not thrown out of town before I completed my mission, I stopped the car, got out and opened the hood. I took a knife and hacked a hole in the radiator. Hot water boiled out of it. Now my car was broken down. I had a better chance of being allowed to stay overnight. So, they say the car won't run, huh? man from a crowd had come over to inspect my car. Now, you see that hole in the radiator there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder what can I do? Well, what'd you come for in the first place? Didn't you hear about the hanging? Well, that's why I came. Talk sense. You want the same? I want what's coming to me. A roper on your neck, huh? Hey, Toby! Yes! Come here! What's the matter? Hey, this guy's fresh! Well, well, yeah, he says he, he wants what's coming to him. Well, <laughs> what do you expect's coming to you, black boy? Joe Hughes. Oh, he's dead and gone. He, he was my brother. You're a liar! His hand slapped across my face. I looked straight, and someone was convinced. Now, wait a minute, brother. Wait a minute. Ah, he's a liar. There ain't no way for him to prove that. Of course that. he can't. He well, can't. now, so, so what if he is some kid of Joe Hughes? So what if he is? You know what? So. He's coming down here to claim Joe's farm. That's what he's here for. That's what he's here for. Big Mac said Joe had a brother. Uh, said he had a brother who might come nosing around. Big Mac expected it. Well, then what's he expect to do with this guy? Yeah, how about that? How about you know, that? <laughs> there wouldn't be no trouble at all, boy, to take you the same way your brother was took. <laughs> there wouldn't be no trouble at all. For a long time, I could, I could feel them turning over the idea of sending another of the Hughes family to his grave. Then what seemed like a year later... Someone had a better idea. Say, suppose we take him on up to Mac's house. Yeah, see, it's a good idea, Mac. And his old lady said, bring him any trouble that came up. Come on, shake a leg, black boy. Let's go. They got together and shoved me along to a farmhouse near the edge of town. 
The leader knocked. Someone flung the door open. Don't you boys know better than to bother me when I'm resting myself? Yeah, no sooner do we get Hughes out of the way and hear you uh, boys Mac, come with it. Mac, uh, we got Hughes, brother. Listen, you lie to me and I'll snap your bony neck. Look, look at him yourself. Look at yourself. He pushed me towards a light. A lantern blazed in my face. Big Mac was satisfied. Yeah. See your Joe Hughes, brother. You... You look like Joe. Yeah. Suppose you come to claim his farm, them 44 acres lying out there next to mine? I want what to do me. Uh, you see there, Mac? You see, Mac? How about that? Uh, 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 shall we take him out over in the woods, Mac? No, 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 I'm for that. I'm Mac? For that. Uh, who's that out there? Oh, it's the old lady. Mac, who are you talking to? Joe Hughes' big brother just blew in town. Joe? I told you you'd never get away with it. Didn't I tell you if you had him lynched, he'd have relatives? He only had one, I knew that. One's like a dozen when it comes to claiming the property. You had him lynched for nothing. Will you shut up? It's in all the papers that Joe was lynched because he molested you. Remember now, act like a molested woman. It was all for nothing. For nothing. Yeah, your old woman's right, Mac. It don't mean a thing unless we get rid of this boy, too. Yes. Yes. You hear that, boy? Yes, I heard it. I ain't the kind of man who wants unnecessary blood on my hands. May the Lord forgive me. <laughs> but I ain't the kind who will go back on a deal. Your brother was stubborn. Been trying to get him to sell me them acres for nigh on to four years. He even drew up the deed. But he wouldn't sign. Not even when he was under the tree. Apparently, there's a stubborn streak in your family, boy. No, it's not so stubborn. Huh? Uh-uh. Maybe you got more sense than he had. Suppose we talk business, you willing? Well, night short, uh... boy, and so is my patience. Now, I was offering your brother a dollar an acre. Yeah? For that kind of land, I was giving him a break. He wouldn't sign for a dollar. You got all the rights now that he's departed this earth. May the Lord rest his soul. <laughs> How about signing? No intimidation, no pressure, no compulsion, just a fair and square deal. <laughs> what do I get for it? A dollar per, what more? Speak up. I'm in a good trading mood, boy. The paper says my brother was killed for molesting your wife. Oh, every lynching's got to be explained somehow. Don't hold it against me, boy. I'd like to have my brother's name cleared, if you don't mind, before I sign. Cleared? How? I'll sign if you sign. I'll sign you the acres if you were sighing, saying the lynching had nothing to do with molesting your wife. Well, well now, seeing as you're so sanctimonious about the good name of your family, I'll oblige you. Come on in here, son. I went inside the farmhouse and signed away the 40 acres I didn't own in the first place. Big Mac dried the ink and wrote out a statement about Joe Hughes. Joe Hughes just got in my way in a little property deal. As I knew, Joe never molested 
Nobody. I didn't do it. And his brother has this day signed over his 40 acres to me and the wife. There you are. Satisfied. <laughs> the men around the table laughed at the note, sat down to pass around a jug of alcohol. I crept quietly outside and made my way to the outskirts of town. I walked down the railroad track back towards Oklahoma City. I knew my story would carry out the fighting campaign of the Black Dispatch, and it did. The truth about the lynching was carried across the nation. And now in every town where the stories of a lynching are flashed, people are looking for the deeper economic reasons for the crime. The Black Dispatch has played a part in opening the eyes of the world. I settled back in Oklahoma City, and with a strong confidence a free press gives, we took a Negro girl, Ada Sipwell, up to the University of Oklahoma to register her as a student. And when she was refused, we took the case to the Supreme Court, and we won. Jim Crow and segregation were not knocked out of Oklahoma, but the Black Dispatch was fighting fighting to get the common people of the South, white and Negro, together, to realize that their emancipation depends upon their mutual cooperation, their friendship and social relations. And when we get this, Jim Crow is going to become a dead bird because all throughout the South, in the largest sense throughout the world for that matter, people, Negro and white, Oklahomians, will be walking together towards the dawn. You have just heard Destination Freedom's dramatization of Ghost Editor, the story of Roscoe Dungey, editor and founder of the Oklahoma Black Dispatch. Destination Freedom, written by Richard Durham and produced by Homer Heck, is directed by Dick Loughran. The role of Mr. Dungey was played by Fred Pinkard. Others in the cast were Gladys Williams, Jess Pugh, Oscar Brown Jr., Dean Almquist, Harvey Hayes, and Tom Manley. The special music was composed by Emil Soderstrom, and played by Elwyn Owen and Jose Bethencourt. This is Charles Chan inviting you to be with us again next week when Destination Freedom will present a special anniversary program. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. From the K-Rob Collection, this has been Audio Antiques, a program featuring shows from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson, urging you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with anyone who loves classic broadcasts. Our music is by H-Beats. That's H-Beats with a Z. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>